I'll live and die on this one. The biggest myth is you cannot scale a product that doesn't have a specific gross margin out of the gate, meaning you can't go in with a negative and hope, hope to get the volumes. You can't start in CPG. You want to have a 60% gross margin. And if you do that, you should be okay. Anything below that, it's going to get a little dicey. 50, okay, maybe 40. <laughs> you're in the 30s and you're hoping to get it with, with volume. You're probably not going to get there. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help to, with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great uh, guest on the on the podcast, uh, Gary Plasmeyer, or Mir. I'm gonna, I'm sure I slaughtered it, but that's the closest I'm gonna get. Pretty good. Uh, Gary's good gonna talk. <laughs> Gary's gonna talk a little bit about uh, brand positioning and entrepreneur or entrepreneurial uh, mindfulness and networking and uh, how to get those initial sales contacts and uh, discerning potential uh, teammates and employees and uh, going through a lot of those and uh, looking or having a, a great discussion along the way. So. With that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Gary. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Uh, you know, first time was great, so obviously I'm back for more. Absolutely. And just as a quick reminder to the audience, so Gary was on our uh, sister podcast, The Inventive Journey. So if you haven't had a chance to uh, go catch his episode there, definitely invite you to do so. Um, but for those of the audience that haven't had a chance yet to, uh, to catch that episode, um, give everybody a, a quick introduction to yourself. Yeah, so Gary Plasmeyer, I am uh, just like Devin here. I am a serial entrepreneur, uh, founded a couple brands, grew them, exited a couple brands, uh, working on one currently in the baking industry, and then also helping with uh, fractional sales and consulting in any way we can. Awesome. Well, definitely uh, a fun uh, background and uh, lot, a lot of uh, great experiences. And so maybe to, to kick things off, I think one of the things that people realize, but are oftentimes still struggle with, realize that they need but, or struggle with is how to get brand positioning. So in other words, everybody knows you need to get your name out there. People need to know what it is, but it's a lot easier said than done. So in other words, yeah, I know I need to get or people or get people to know who I am, but how do I do that? Um, so walk us through a little bit your thoughts on kind of as you're looking to position a brand, kind of what are the ways if you're a startup or a small business that you start to, to go about doing that? Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, depending on what industry you're in, you want to figure out who you're, who you want to be speaking to, you know, long term, who the customer is, who the consumer is, who, who your ideal target's going to be. So you can, you know, you can formulate your positioning around that. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of what, what I did at least, because I came from the restaurant space where I was not an entrepreneur to being an entrepreneur over the last 15 years was uh, just networking as much as possible and, and getting around as many people who have done that, that type of work and understand it at a higher level. Uh, so you can, you can lean into their expertise because, you know, we don't have, <laughs> there's not enough time to make all the mistakes, right? At the end of the day. So, uh, the more people you can you can plug yourself into uh, with that journey, the better. Uh, obviously, figuring out uh, so the analytics that are in your market. I know it can be a lot of entrepreneurs, at least 
I don't know, this is I've seen Devin. I'm not sure. You know, you've probably talked to a lot more entrepreneurs than I have at this point. Uh, they don't lean into the data. They they go, they run, they're like, oh, I got a different product. I got, I feel like I have some market fit. And they just start running. They don't take the time to spend a little bit of extra money, you know, five, 10 grand on that data. You know, in the food industry, it spins, it's sort kind of, uh, and uh, there's, well, IRI was, got purchased by Circana. And then um, there's another one. Uh, oh, Mintel, you know, spending the money on that stuff, it helps position you in the market. So when you do go out and start having conversations with buyers and with people that can put your products on the shelves or get them into some kind of direct-to-consumer or some kind of 3PL or PVC, you know, you go in with some confidence. So now let, or diving into that just a bit more. So taking, you know, you're getting into kind of the food and beverage industry, um, mm -hmm. or at least with one of your startups. And so what kind of data do you go and get? And I mean, I think people are familiar mm -hmm. with, you go to Walmart and they have your little checkout, you know, your account, or you can now get the app. And so, hey, they can kind of see what you're buying and, and how much you're buying in that. But if you're mm -hmm. taking a typical startup or a small business, if you're in the food and beverage industry, what kind of data are you looking at? Is it who your customers are, industry data, all the above, or kind of how do you even go about getting that information? Yeah. So again, it, I mean, there's a lot of data out there, obviously. So you, you you have to be very strategic on on what your sales strategy or your market activation is. So understanding that first and foremost, you know, say I want to go to, and just for instance, I want to do Walmart Target. All right, great. So you know you want to go to Walmart and Target. So then you can lean into the companies that that have all this data. It's like they're the gatekeepers and it's not cheap. At the same time, I've not paid for it before and it's bit me in my you know what because we didn't we're like oh we don't need that we can go figure it out it saves a ton of time ton of effort and it just helps on the front end so say you got walmart and target great then you can lean into uh spins again it's it's a it's an industry-based uh you know it, it it pulls all the analytics so what it's going to do is it plugs into the walmart and the target system and it's saying, all right, here's what you're selling and in what category. So for instance, we're bakery and then we're sweets. So it'll pull the entire bakery. These are all the sales in the bakery, all the different companies and brands that are selling in the bakery. And then it'll break it even farther down to how many SKUs they're selling and, and why, and then in which regions. And then it'll give you uh, price comparisons. It'll give you cost per ounces. It gives you all this data. So you know, okay, great. I've got this cool product. I know it can be competitive. Can I be price competitive? Which regions can I be competitive in and why? It, it It's just a, a ton. It can get a little overwhelming. Because hmm. uh, you can really, I mean, you can go down even farther. And if you, the more you pay, the more data you get, which is... I think it's kind of stupid, especially for startups, you know, startups are trying to get off the ground and it's like, man, I don't have fifty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000. You know, for instance, like a company like Pepsi, they spend millions and millions and millions of dollars a year on data. Mm. And, it, and it takes it all the way down to, okay, great. Now I know which region, then it starts breaking it down even farther to, okay, I'm in this region, then I get to the city and then I can start getting to individual consumers if you're willing to pay for uh, you know, the bigger quote unquote package. So they now just, just out of curiosity. So let's take the, you know, a lot of the, the listeners, the audience are going to be startups and small businesses. They, they may not have got it, you know, they may not have started selling in Walmart or Target because you have yep. to 
get some traction and uh, get or get in their system and convince them that you're worthwhile, so to speak. Can yep. you, if you wanted to, and I get it, it can be an investment, not all our businesses or have that out of the front, but can you go and just simply buy that data from them, even if you're not in their stores or how do you go about even accessing it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you mean, yeah. Like going directly and say, Hey, I want this data for, yep, absolutely. They're a business just like any other business. Hmm. So you go in and they're going to say, and again, it's not cheap. I mean, if you want some of that higher end data, you're talking, you know, you can talk anywhere between 10 grand and $30,000. So they'll sell it to you. And then you, you have to send, you have, you have to send, sign, excuse me, uh, quote unquote contracts that you're not going to share it, you know, because they want to make sure that they can sell it to somebody else as well. So yeah, you, you could go to it right now, spins.com and say, I want this data and they'll gladly sell it to you. I'm sure they'll gladly also take your buddy along with that. That's exactly right, baby. (laughs) So now one of the, or kind of along those lines, but shifting gears just slightly kind of, or one of the other things that we talked a little bit about was kind of that getting those initial sales contacts. And that can Mm -hmm. mean a lot of different things. And sometimes it's a direct to consumer and it's, one by one or or you get an online presence and other times it's you know b2b and you're getting uh contacts within different industries and so you know i know that there's a it's a broad question but how do you even go about figuring out who you should be contacting or what those initial sales contacts should be or who you mm-hmm. should approach and i know that's a very broad and vague question but yes. this kind of gives us some insight if, if people are starting out how you think about that yeah so you know we we call it an RM, we call it a market activation. So it's really understanding your your products, your SKUs, what your pack sizes are, and what flavors are whatever, right? Like, again, I mean, you, this can be any industry pretty much. And then from there, it's like, okay, typically with CPG, because I'm just going to use CPG because that's been most of my experiences, you, you want to own your hometown, then own your region, and then go national, right? Uh, and by putting this market activation together, part of it is saying, okay, within my hometown, we have these five retailers. And then within our region, we have these 20 retailers. And then within the, you know, the scope of the United States, there's a hundred, right? Hmm. So it's identifying who those are first. And then um, I do a lot. I involve myself in a lot of communities, a lot of CPG communities, a lot of founder communities, a lot of investor communities. Um, if you're doing that stuff already, it's pretty easy to go to those communities and say, Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. Who's got some leads. And then a lot of times you're going to get some leads off the front. And now you're going to have to go do the work. You're going to have to get in front of them. You're going to have to, you know, get your product in front of them and so on and so forth. Uh, the hometown stuff is a little easier. Most of them you can, you can walk into and say, Hey, I got a cool product and it'll direct it to where you need to go. What I've learned is that it, it's not always fun to you know, go out and do some of that cold call stuff and do even some of the warmer lead stuff. I mean, you're just it, it can be a little intimidating. Most people out there are willing to and want to help you and your brand succeed, which is pretty cool, at least that I found. So um, again, it's identifying exactly who you want to go after, why. Use LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn uh, Sales Navigator a ton because you can type in, you know, I don't Devin, where where are you located in the country? Uh, I'm located uh, in Utah, just north of Salt Lake City. Utah. Okay. So what's one of the bigger groceries over there? You know, that'd be yeah. a good question for my yeah. wife. Safeway, I'll go Kroger. with Walmart, Smith, Albertsons. Albertsons. Say Albertsons. 
you can go into Sales Navigator and you can type in Albertson's Buyer, Albertson's Procurement, Albertson's um, Category Manager, anything that's associated with somebody that's buying something, and it's going to pull up just a ton of people you can potentially contact with as well. So that's been a huge tool hmm. as well. Uh, a lot of data is out there. I mean, if you do enough digging, you're going to find something. And what I've done too is if I have a few buyer leads, you know, and I want to get to more of them, because there could be upwards of 100 buyers within a certain grocery store chain, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, you have their email, not their personal email, like their name and stuff. You know the back end, say it's at Safeway.com or at Julosco.com. You can back into a lot of leads just by sourcing, oh, I know how this person's email reads. This person works for the same company, you know, James.Smith at Safeway, whatever it is. I've backed into a lot of leads that way and a lot of conversations. Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, it, it, you, you know, to a degree, cold, or I'll say lukewarm calling. So doing a bit of research rather than just simply blasting everybody um, mm -hmm. has been fruitful now. One of the things that you, you you touched on that I think is great is, you know, there's a difference. You can find the contacts and now you have to figure out how to network with them. So you find out who you should, maybe who you should start reaching out to, whether it's sales navigator, whether it's you go knock door to door, if it's a small town or, you know, anything in between. But now how do you go about, you know, networking with them or how do you or go about establishing that connection? Because I would assume, but you can correct me where I'm wrong that you're going to go out and you're not necessarily going to have a lot of connections, at least when you get started with mm -hmm. whether it's the Walmart or the big buyers or the small buyers. And so how do you even go about establishing that connection with them so that they want to buy from you? Uh, do a little bit of research on their, on the company that they work for, find out what their hot buttons are. And what I mean, what their hot buttons are, like there's a lot of different, a lot of different companies and how they work in grocery, for instance, you got high end, you got, you know, your mid-tier and then you got your lower end. Well, what's important to them? Like we have a local company here called Syndex and what's important to them is giving back to the community, making sure that they have uh, minority-based businesses. Uh, they're always looking for um, certain shout outs, you know, organic or just whatever, right? Knowing yeah. what's important to them being, because they're the customer, goes a long way in for you to be able to align your pitch on the front end you know it's like hey i'm really looking forward to working with sendix you know i know you guys have these initiatives these are some of the brands that we work with or i'm a brand that's got x y and z or if you're working with other brands these are some of the brands i work with that, that align with what you're doing love to get you some samples you know and then use use um something i've been learning to do is use open-ended questions mm. you know it's not like hey would you like to get on a meeting no Right. It's like, what would I have to do for you to be able to talk to me a little bit more? The open ended stuff goes a long, long way. Uh, and at least it gets them to, to, to open up. Hmm. Most of the time, 95% of the time, I don't get any response on my first two touch points. So, now, following that up just a little bit, because I think there are some great, there are pieces of advice now when you're doing that, you know. It, it feels like a little bit, maybe a chicken and the egg. Now you can help me figure out which one came first, but until you get it, you know, you can do some research on their website, kind of about the business in general, but until you get in and start talking with the individual, mm -hmm. you're only going to be able to do so much homework. Now, certainly it makes sense to do that homework, 
but then you know to prepare in order to prepare or for that now or for that meeting you need to know that the, the, those things ahead of time and yet you're not going to know those things until you get in and meet with them so is it kind of is it a multi-round going back and forth with them or do you just have to be as prepared as you can or doing it on the fly or some or all the above or kind of you know give us some ideas on that yeah i mean yeah you, you obviously want to be able to do as much research as you can uh don't fill your brain i'm the kind of person if i fill my brain with too much i won't remember any of it <laughs> so give yourself a few bullet points okay i know they like the x y and z you know maybe do a little research on the person that you're going to talk to as well and then to your point you really never know where the conversation is going to go it could it could go any direction they might be having i mean by the time you get to them maybe they're having a great day maybe they're not having a good day you know it's just there's a there's a lot that can that can uh go into it you just got to go out and do it and then take some lumps while you're out there, you know, because you, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. So, you know, if, if, if you're feeling a little weird, if your intuition's like, man, this is, this is, this is uh, uncomfortable. You're probably doing the right thing. Obviously that's the way I look at it. That's, that's how my, that's my gut telling me to keep going. And the more you do it, obviously the easier it gets. Hmm. You take notes, you learn, you start connecting with people about building relationships though i mean at the end of the day you don't want to just push product down somebody's throat because there's more products and more companies than these retailers want to work with so unless you're able to build a relationship on the front end you know it's just not gonna work and you got to be patient hmm. um six six to 18 month sales cycle within grocery cpg so now just they're kind of to follow up on that so you were to you know the conventional, I don't know, conventional wisdom, but at least what you or typically hear is, you know, or the first impressions are the most, you know, important thing. And yet you have six to eight to 12 to 18 months or whatever long sales cycles. And mm -hmm. so it's this one where if you, you know, you get out there, you take your lumps, uh, if it doesn't go well in the first meeting, you should give up. And because it wasn't the first impression, or do you keep trying and nagging and circling back or kind of, you know, any thoughts as far as how you get through that, that much longer sales cycle? Yeah, I mean, it's always about follow up. I mean, no doesn't necessarily mean no, you know, again, they might be having a bad day or something might be going on, and they're just insanely busy. Uh, you know, typically that, from what I've been reading and people I've been talking to, seven to 10 touches, especially with, um, you know, in the buyers are getting younger and it's more about analytics now and less about, um, it just takes more touches. It just takes more touches. So seven to 10, so you can't, can't necessarily give up. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur in general, the word, those words should be completely removed from your dictionary. It's not give up, it's pivot and learn what you've learned. And get around some people you can ask some questions who have done it, you know, and continue to network and make more contacts and, and just keep going. I mean, sales is a numbers game at the end of the day. Relationships, I don't want to call relationships a numbers game. At the same time, you know, you're going to connect with some people and you're not going to connect with others. So you'll find that out pretty quickly. And then you'll find your own style and what works and, what, and how it works. And, and then you can duplicate it from there. You can duplicate it because most grocery stores at least. And again, I keep going to grocery stores because that's kind of what I know. Most grocery stores are going to operate, you know, 75% the same way. It's just that 25% dif differentiation. I said, totally said that wrong. That you need to figure between each one. So you can go in with a couple pointed uh, bullet points of conversation. Oh, makes, makes perfect sense. Now, 
kind of uh, shifting gears slightly, but I think it goes along with a lot of what you shared is. So now if you're to go and say, okay, doing all of these things, at some point, you know, a lot of time you're, if, especially if you're just starting out, you may, it just may be you or a very small team or it's you and your friends or family or that and you get going. And then as you continue to build, eventually if you're successful and get traction, you start to build out that team of, te- or, you know, of uh, teammates or employees and that. And how do you kind of go about discerning or figuring out who should be on that team and what roles to fill and what should come first and what should come last or any thoughts on kind of uh on, as you've gone through it before how you build out that team yeah i mean do it i mean because it's gonna always be a tough one right like do it as i don't want to say slowly as you can meaning you know make sure that there's more work and sales coming in and you can handle before you start adding because once you start adding obviously that's going to cost you money and you're going to need to hire or compensate people in some way shape or form at the end of the day so um you know if if you built your foundational structure well enough to know that hey i need i need once we're at x sales i know i need to do you know bring in this person bring in that person i mean the, the most important first per- person for us or at least I've always seen as somebody who can help on the on the financial side of things. So we're not sitting behind a desk and inputting invoices. If that doesn't keep you out in the market, that doesn't keep you out in front of your customers, that doesn't keep you innovating, that doesn't keep you in operations. So that's always a number one, try and find somebody to help you with, with um, the financing and um, operations obviously comes after that. And then, you know, once you've got a lot of traction, sales, is, is typically the last thing that gets hired. Sales and marketing are typically the last two things that I've seen at least that come into play as far as hiring. And 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 uh, because, you know, all, most of the traction should have been done by the founders before. And when I say marketing, I'm not talking about making sure you're positioned and, and you got a story and all that and your packaging. Like that's a different aspect of marketing. The marketing of when you're in the grocery stores, what does it look like? The, you know, the social media, just all of that kind of marketing. Uh, that's probably one of that and sales are the last two things that I've typically seen get hired. Well, definitely some uh, great uh, pieces of wisdom, a lot of expertise shared and uh, some, some great takeaways. And with that, we're already starting to get towards the end of the, the podcast. And it feels like we just started wow. to scratch the surface. Um, but as we uh, do wrap up this episode, um, I always like to wrap up with the, the same question. So we're going to jump to that now, which is within your industry, what is the biggest myth and why is it wrong? I'll live and die on this one. The biggest myth is you cannot scale a product that doesn't have a specific gross margin out of the gate, meaning you can't go in with a negative and hope to get the volumes. You can't start. In CPG, you want to have a 60% gross margin. And if you do that, you should be okay. Anything below that, it's going to get a little dicey. 50, okay, maybe 40. (laughs) You're in the 30s and you're hoping to get it with with volume. You're probably not going to get there. Hmm. Well, I think that's definitely a, a great uh, myth, is, myth to dispel and uh, some great information to learn from. So, well, now as uh, we do wrap up uh, the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? 
Yeah. So I, you go to obviously find me on LinkedIn, Gary Plasmeyer. I'm, I'm probably the only Gary Plasmeyer on LinkedIn. I would assume <laughs> I haven't looked. I'm going to check that out today, actually. Uh, and then you can find me at, uh, you can email me at info at reinventcpg.com. That's info at reinventcpg.com. Uh, happy to answer any questions. We're always looking to, uh, you know, work with other founders and, and uh, grant them the wisdom of getting our butts kicked in the market and help any way we can. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to, to reach out, support a great business, make some new connections, if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now for all of you that are listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review, helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if along your journey, you ever need help with patents or trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Gary, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Appreciate you. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend.